Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I got a message for our fans out there. Football's back. Bet online's your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoffs and Super Bowl, Bet Online is going to give you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device. Get in. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks and another two-time Super Bowl champion Phil Sims. Look, it's Washington week. The Giants are wearing their legacy uniforms. They got the end zones painted like the old Giants stadium with the blue and the red uh, lettering in there. They got the old Giants helmet at midfield. They wore the road 80s and 90s uniforms on Sunday night. Again, against Buffalo, it didn't really work, but uh, we got Phil. Who Carl, we have to have Phil on for this. This is like oh, absolutely. This was the week, the week that we all looked forward to. It was uh, Bill Parcells did his best coaching during that week, so he thought. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he made us all miserable, but we look forward to these games, right, Phil? Oh, yeah, we did. And, you know, of course, made it great. I went, We went through a lot, but I started it with uh, Joe Theismann, and I was so excited the first time I beat Joe Theismann. I don't know why I was excited, but I thought it was special. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> but, you know, just everything, Joe Gibbs, all their players, and I don't know about you, Carl, especially when we would go down there and play in, in D.C., and yeah. play play them down there. That stadium, the grass, all, the fans, all that stuff. I really I look forward to going down there and playing a away game just because of that atmosphere was so great. Yeah. It was, and I'll tell you this much, Phil, because I had the great misfortune of having to play there for one year <laughs> uh, when when Dan Reeves came. I you know I did not know they hated us so much. I that one year I spent. I probably fought. I fought once a week, and half the team, half the, t- the teammates, didn't speak to me. And I, I'm like, well, we, it was personal to us. But I guess because we won so many, they yeah. just never let it go. I, I was never embraced as a teammate. I was like, jeez. You know what? That that's awesome. I would be proud of that. Like, I am. We were that much into your head. Yeah. And, uh, hey, I'll tell this one. I got to think of the year '86. We're going down there. You know, it's a big game. And I'm in that runway or whatever the hell was called. And I was getting ready to walk out for the warm-up, you know, as we took turns or, you know, we didn't get to go out of the field early and run around like they do now. That was forbidden. You're not going out there. But Parcells is going to be going out with me. I'm going to go through the dugout, up the steps, on walk onto the field. So just before we went through the dugout, Bill stops, looks at me, he goes, you know, Sims, they hate us so much down here, they like us. And I said, okay, but the the sad thing is I said, I got it. I understand. So we walk out, uh, you know, in the dugout, we'll go up the steps. Not one fan said one word about me. They, everything was directed at Bill. Hey, Parcells, you this, you that. And I, it was hilarious. I mean, it, it was good. So, but that's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. What he said in, in its weird way. And uh, it was special playing down there. And, of course, it made it special because we did win a few games playing on their field. 
Why yeah, did you guys I, match up so well against them? I mean, we they were they were probably in terms of competitors our most respected. I think we respected them more than anybody because they played hard. It was always the mind of Joe Gibbs versus the mind of Parcells and then our players versus their players. And we just showed up to play. I mean, they had some crazies on their team. Dexter Manley was a nut, but he, you know, he did a lot of good play. He had a lot of good plays for him, but it was just one of these opponents where, you know, we matched up well, but we wanted to beat them. And just, it was, I think we just respected them so much, you know, but not to the point that we would lay down, you know? No, you're exactly right. I mean, it seemed the formula, Bob, was always the same for for our offense. Uh, At at our stadium, the turf, Joe Morris was going to run crazy. We would go down there, and, you know, that that was the thing about Bill. And I I remember one time we went to whatever. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Tom Coughlin, like, we don't have enough plays in here. What are we going to do? And, of course, we score a bunch of points. We're going across the field, and Tom Coughlin goes, he's a genius. He's a damn genius. (laughs) (laughs) But going down there, our game plan would be this. We won't be able to run it. We got to throw it. That And, you know, it was truly a 180 all the time with the football team. Then we play them in the championship game, Carl. What do we do? As Bill, I watched one of those documentaries, and all the guys are laughing. Yep, they couldn't run it. We ran. We had a – eight minute and something drive into yeah. the winter, something crazy. Thank God we did. Cause that was awful that day, but yeah, yeah it, it, it was the surfaces and I don't know too. I think our receivers matched up well against their DBs, which really helped too. Well, let, let's get into the, the conditions Phil, because we, you know, we talked about it a lot and the game has evolved, but there are certain quarterbacks that are built for certain weather conditions. You know, you've got, you know, when we played, you you had guys that played in Miami and in California, and you could see their numbers were inflated, or even in Denver. But then they come to different environments, and they just weren't the same player. How real is that? Like, you know, we have we, and, and then you had the the dome quarterbacks too. Yeah, uh, it's very real. And um, you know, as Bernie Kosar said to me after one game, he goes, "Oh wow," you know, he was being kind of complimentary. And whatever I said, Bernie, the secret is with this win, which was really a problem today. I knew I was going to be mediocre. Your quarterback hadn't found it out yet. And you know, <laughs> it's really, yeah. and, you know, wind, cold, whatever it is, rain, when a lot of quarterbacks play in it, they, it's not going to be the same. You know, you miss passes that you would normally hit 90% of the time, but you're going to miss them because you got to be a little more careful. And uh, you just got to learn to accept that. And over the years, man, I we played in so many windy games. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, it was unbelievable. You know, you work all week and you're excited. You run out of the field and you go, oh, my God, here we go again. 20 <laughs> mile hour win, which was sometimes really good. Or that was good. I asked Eli Manning probably in his fourth year. I'm doing football games, announcing. And I said, Eli, um, so how about the win, man? What's, what, what was the windiest game you had or something like that? And he goes, I don't really know if I've played in a really windy game. And I went, what? (laughs) (laughs) Carl made me mad. (laughs) Sure. He played in Green Bay and it was windy as heck down there. Yeah, there was there. But I mean, a giant stadium, you know. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Bill Belichick, every time, Bob, we would be going off the field in warm-ups and he'd go, hey, Sims, 
what about the other guy here today? I go, oh, Bill, he's a coward. He'll never throw it outside. Which <laughs> 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 I wasn't, I was telling the truth. And Belichick would look at me and go, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> and it would hold true. You know, we would always yeah. talk about it. And the wind was always the same at Giant Stadium. I think that was a big plus for us. We knew which direction. I knew where it was going to be really bad on the field. And uh, that helped out a lot too. Yeah. And I think, um, I think when you mentioned the Eli part of it, when they built that new press box on the top of the stadium, yeah, it definitely changed the wind in Giant Stadium, mm-hmm. where it was not as uh, brutal as it was before they built that thing. Right. It was a fact. And now, and now we've we've seen Carl when we're on the field with the new stadium, um, because it's more open air, and now that they've taken down the racetrack. Yeah. It has definitely changed the wind as how it's coming through the building now. It's now it's almost squarely from the visitors' bench toward the Giants' bench. Yeah. It's almost consistent now, really? which is kind of weird. Yeah, because yeah. Wow. The, the, that track is finally down. Uh, they're going to play Washington on Sunday. Um, Phil, obviously the Giants have been struggling here a little bit. <laughs> we we joked about it before we started this. They haven't scored a touchdown in two hundred and five minutes. Um, they had their, they've had their chances though in some of these games, like Sunday night against Buffalo. We were talking about the Niners game. How does, how does Dable get this team kind of going in the, oh, to get this thing across the finish line and, and come out of this with a win somewhere? Hey, look, this is where the coach, you know, the old saying, that's where he owns his money and uh, he earns it because you've got to get him in a state of mind. But look, this is a winnable game for the Giants this weekend. I mean, I, I I watch all the Washington games, and the defense gives up plays. Uh, their pass rush doesn't live up to what they're going to be sometimes. Uh, Sam Howell, listen, I like what he's doing, but he's willing to take sacks, and he is an aggressive decision-maker and thrower. So there's going to be opportunities for him to win. But I think emotionally, that was really big because I played on some bad teams early in my career. And when we got in those situations every once in a while, we were fortunate enough to win. And, man, it, it just lets you relax, have an air of confidence. And we played well the following week after that, too. So I think it's good. I think it's going to be tough. And I think there's the decision down on the goal line. I don't even know what to say about all that. I don't know the real story. And, and honestly, I don't want to know. Uh, they just messed it up. And as I, ta- I, I talked to one coach and said to me, 17 seconds is the barometer there. It's 17. If it's under 17, you never run the football. That kind of made sense. It seems like a lot of time to me. But um, this, you know, Coach Dayball, I think he has that personality. It's not a it's not a week. And Carl, you, I want to hear you answer this. It's not a week where you go in there and, and beat them down. No. The effort was tremendous by the Giants the other night. I thought it was tremendous. And uh, if they can show that same effort and enthusiasm, I think they can beat the Washington Commanders. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Phil, because they were they were really bad leading into that Buffalo game. And he got the coach got them ready to play. I mean, defensively, they had an excellent game plan. They contained digs. They they and they com- contained one of the best arms in football. And then they moved the ball offensively. They had a really good offensive game plan. So you got like four key moments in the game that you can point to in the film room and say, this is why we didn't win this game. Let's take that same effort and give us the execution. We can win. And I think the players are not, I think the players are looking forward to building on 
what they accomplish or lack thereof um, yeah. going into this game because I, I think they kind of feel better about themselves. The last, the four games prior to that, you know, they could be kicked all over the all over the city, but this one you go toe to toe with Buffalo, and you can point to four particular plays and you say this is why, and right. you go into Washington and you say okay. We 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 feel we feel great about ourselves going into this game. Just don't make those mistakes. So mm -hmm. I think I think he's going to be very positive, but I think he's going to emphasize executing the little shit. Like, don't make mental errors. Don't your offensive lineman. Here's a play. Even even though we called it a certain way, if you just block the guy according to what we audible to, we still score. You know things like yeah. that. Yeah. You know I I th this is this is. You know, we played for the greatest, I think, one of the greatest of all time, psychological coaches in the world ever in football, Bill Parcells. <laughs> I mean, he know he played us like, I, yeah. hey, these dummies will take it. You know, <laughs> we're playing the worst team in the league. He was the most honorious, the worst yeah. coach in the world that week because he knew we would be flat. And, um, you know, he wouldn't be sitting there going, oh, boy, that was a moral victory, guys. Yeah, after the Buffalo game, but he just had a way. He knew what to do, and I think that's the strength of coaching. I think coaching in the NFL is has more factors, or you know, they they affect the outcome of games more than any other sport in in major league sport in America. So, Coach Dayball, this is a big thing for him, and it re really helped to get started well and get the fans going in the right direction too. I always sure. think it kind of helps and. You know, I don't know if I ever listened to the bands, but just thinking about now and what I do, um, you know, I think it is important. Phil, you listen to the fans. I remember it was my rookie year. Uh-oh. You were coming off the injury. And this, you know, the old Giant Stadium, that yeah. wall was yeah. probably 15 feet from my bench, wasn't it? It was close. It was, <laughs> I'd say it's about 20 feet, 20 feet. No, no, I would say 15. It was close. There was some, there was some fan that was jaw-jacking, and I look up, and they're going face to face, uh, back and forth, and Phil is letting them have it. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow! If, we, if that happened today, you'd be—they talk about oh. you. Ah, oh, he doesn't appreciate the fans. Look how he's oh. talking to his fans." But it was—I thought I, I had never seen it before because I'm a rookie, and I'm looking, and you're just like in this guy's face, and he's leaning over the wall. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, you listen to the fans." Yeah, yeah. Well, every when it gets so bad, Carl sitting on the bench and just you know they're just killing me. And I'd say to Phil McConkey, he'd come in front of me. I said, Phil, what role is that guy in, and what's he wearing? And McConkey, third <laughs> row. And I would turn around and point at him. I said, Shut up. <laughs> I was, and you know, honestly, the, I swear, the guy would just sit down and be quiet. Oh my <laughs> I God. See. No, it's terrible. I did that, but. Oh, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but Bob, I think about this. Some of the stuff that went on, and Carl knows, and the camera wasn't in the face of the players yeah. like it is now. You know, you can't do anything. That They got so many cameras, and they get your, your – if you talk, like, hey, last night, the New Orleans Saints playing. They put a camera right on Derek Carr's face the whole game. Yeah. And he, he was yelling at somebody almost every single play. And then he said, all right, we're off the field – I'll just yell at the coach now. And I it, it, that was really something. Um, and that can be taken the wrong way too. You know, you gotta, I'm not gonna get on him, 
maybe that's how they operate. Right. Know? It could right. be that way. But wow, you know, I think you, talking to a coordinator or a head coach or anything like that is um, as much as he did it. Uh, that was interesting to, to say the least. But you know what, Phil? It's the gift and the curse of access. You know, it's a $14 billion uh, uh, entity, this NFL yearly. And they have increased fan engagement. So they are giving, you know, I knew it was it was over when they had more access to locker rooms. Then you knew because fans want to know and, and fans feel entitled. Uh and the league wants to give them more. But the conversations that players have with coaches and coaches have with players that cameras never picked up before, they're getting all of it now. Yeah. Like, you know, they're and we, you know, they caught us, they caught you, they caught me screaming at parcels every once in a while. But if they caught most of the stuff that was said, it would be people would be clutching their pearls. <laughs> it's legitimately like, I mean, there's F-bombs going back and forth and then you go out and you go to the next series, right? But that is like, if that happened today with the access, I, I think people would clutch their pearls. They would be either anti-player or anti-coach. You got to fire this guy. He can't talk to a player that way or player you can't talk to a coach that way but that's how we operate it and in a lot of situations it's how they operate now well you know too i hate this you know there's so many things to that bob we could you you were around so much you know too look uh there was an open dialogue created by our head coach yeah oh he would yell at you he had guys that he would pick on he had to have somebody every day to put the message through the team and every once in a while you'd yell back at him and he'd go Oh, are you mad at it? Just did it. That's doing everything. Are you mad at me? You, you, you like to hit me? And I go, man, he did it to me once many times. I go, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and I tell other quarterbacks some of these confrontations that I had with him and how they started, whatever. And they don't, I know they don't believe me. I'm just saying, man, I'm telling you, it's true. He, once you yelled back at him, he knew he had you. Oh, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. it was really, you know, and, and I hear this, Carl, Bob, this, you know, Parcells couldn't coach in today's game. I said, no, dude, that is the stupidest thing you could ever say. He knew how to get to everybody. Yeah. Everybody. He coached some guys after he left the, well, he coached a few with the Giants. That's for sure. I, I'm not going to name any names. I'll just give an initial LT, but every team, <laughs> <laughs> he had that group of guys that were going to. Yeah. You know, they were going to have conflicts, Bob and Carl, that he was going to speak to the team. And and I think it um, it made the relationship between the player and coach really different than a lot of teams uh, had, that's for sure. So, yeah, Phil, it, you you and your son have a podcast, uh, Sims Complete. You and Matthew right. have one uh, on Believe. And we were talking before we started the show, you and Carl speak out of the same brain because you said – you know, you got these. So now we have amateur psychologists in the media that are oh. trying to read body language when there's a confrontation. And then all the stuff gets thrown out there. Mm. I know both of you guys get really riled up about some of the stuff that you're seeing put out there that fans are taking as gospel when it could be furthest from the truth. Well, let me, I'll answer that easily. Fans know two things, what they read and what they hear. Mm -hmm. That's it. So Not, yeah, what yeah. else are they going to know? So the information going out, as I always say, when I did this job, somebody said, so are you going to be able to criticize the players and coaches? I said, I'm going to tell the truth. I, 
the players and coaches deserve the truth for them. Because mm-hmm. I know what it's like and how hard it is. And why would I do anything else? And yes, see, you know, and people just make these statements just immediately after games on Monday and they just destroy players. They really do on TV. Yeah. It tells me all the time, you got to quit watching TV. I said, no, it gives me energy to keep working and to talk against them. I don't know if anybody listens, but that's what I love about the podcast. Yeah. A list of things. Oh man. You know, my son goes, dad, we can't do an hour of angry talk. (laughs) Sure you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So to that point, Phil, when certain people start to criticize players for certain things, and I wanted to get into this from a quarterback perspective because the game has changed. It's evolved. It's open and it's there's a lot going on. But there's also this uh, fascination with the mobile quarterback, and I get it. But I think just my opinion, and we're starting to see it play out, the quarterback position is not going to be valued because these guys don't stay healthy enough because they run them so much, right? You got Justin Fields is out. Uh, the, the kid that, that played last night, Jacksonville, he was in a knee brace. Um, Anthony Richardson, Richardson's done. Richardson's out for the year. And I get it. The, mo- the mobility makes you more multiple. But I've even noticed Philadelphia is not doing as many RPOs. So it's it's like that quarterback probably said, look, I can't keep taking these hits if you want me to, you know, yeah. to, to, to function. So when you see these quarterbacks that are impacted by getting hit a lot, and I'm not just talking Daniel Jones because um, Joe Burrow had the same issue. And he still does. He's just managing it a little better. They get hit a lot. The decision-making gets impacted. Yeah, listen, I'm going to talk about that probably really early in the show on Sunday. There's a couple of things. Scoring's down the NFL. I wrote a great article or read a great article yesterday. A guy was, why is it down? Well, the way defenses are playing, uh, really, there's so many reasons. But one of the reasons why the big plays in the pass game, guys don't give it a chance. And he he wrote about all. He goes, hey, we had Pete Manning, you know, Troy Aikman, all these guys, Phillip Rivers, they were going to throw the ball and the scoring and everything else. But now, oh, when in doubt, give it a quick and run for five. And everybody goes, that's great. We got five. Well, you just passed up a 30-yard completion because you didn't look. And you, yeah. we got a lot of young quarterbacks in the league, too, right now playing Carl and Bob. And I think that's a, a big factor. And, and there's so many factors why this is getting tougher and tougher. But defensive players, my gosh. If you're a linebacker now, if you don't run 4-4 or mid-4-4s yeah. or 4-5, you can't play. And they're really, it, it's, I see it at, every week. I go, wow, probably a safety, but playing linebacker. Yeah. Just because we got so many big people on the defensive front. Teams are spending more money on defensive linemen. They got better depth there. And then they're going against offensive line. What? Athletically, they're not as good. Yeah. And damn, and old, old linemen, they got to make a rule. They got to put more of them on the roster. Well, and also allow them to develop, too. I mean, these kids, they come out. Got to play. They've been playing seven-on-seven since since junior high school, and they participate in these camps. There's really no development in terms of of, of their fundamentals. And I think also, Phil, and you would know better than I, I think offenses in the NFL are great from 20 to 20. When the field shortens, 
their options shorten and the defenses. Because I noticed that's when Wink Martindale was good last year. Like if he could get them into the red zone, they played better when the field was shorter. But when you're, you know, you don't match well personnel wise with the way these offenses are operating. Once the field shrinks, they don't have the same amount of options. Well, you know, and I, I honestly look at numbers about certain things in the game, all the analytics. I look into them maybe once every seven, eight weeks. I say, oh, let me see just if this backs up one of my dumb theories or whatever. And that what you're saying, it's big time. It's scoring in the red zone is really down. Scoring's down. So, you know, that tells me I'm like, well, where are analytics to say that three points is really important? <laughs> They'll turn yeah. that field goal down right, left, everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's such a big even last night I was looking at it going, man, you know, or, you know, for most of the game, it looked like it was not going to be much scoring or whatever. But yeah, kicking that field goal, it's it's amazing. I sit there in that studio every Sunday and it's like a disease. It's fourth and two. We got to go for it. Well, the damn yeah. game is physical. Nobody's moving the ball. The scoring is right. low, but we got to get seven. And and it's amazing how many times it comes to be the difference in the game. And if you're, I just say, I hate hearing about all the intellects. But I just say, well, if they, there's got to be a number there that tells you to kick the field goal every once in a while too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if out there, but let's go back 20 years and say, well, back 20 years ago, I, I don't know. It, it drives me a little crazy to talk about it sometimes. But uh, I know kicking that field goal, it's important, Bob, Carl, to drive the ball down the field. And if you kick a field goal, there's a sense of accomplishment. Yes. It does change your who you are on that sideline. Sure. And to miss the field goal or not go for it, not get the fourth down, you just go, man, that was a lot of work and a lot of good plays for nothing. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's where well, another way I look at it, too. Well, and and just kind of like circling back to the Giants here a little bit with this game, you know, sure. Phil, you watch all these games. Carl yes. and I talk about it all the time. I, we, I watch all the games, not studying the coaches' tape and watching all of them. But, you know, one of the problems that the Giants have had this year, and we talk about it all the time, is you watch these games on Sunday. At some point in time, your best players have to make some plays above the X's and O's. Yeah. Correct. Where, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not blaming that the Giants lost the game on a one player or whatever, but like, you know, on that fourth down play, I watched games all Sunday afternoon. Darius Slayton's got to make that catch, right? It hits him in the chest. Doesn't really get his hands on it. Can't secure it. And even on the Waller play in the back of the end zone, being held or whatever, you know, the top tight end or, or the, the difference makers are the guys that somehow get that tug off them, chop them or whatever, and then elevate and make the play. And they, they haven't made enough above X's and O's plays that happen every Sunday to the teams that are winning. Hey, look, I think teams win so many games just for this aspect. Who's got the guys that can make the plays to win the game? How yeah. many? And if you count them up on each team, it's no accident. One team, I have seven guys that can win the game just by their performance. And then we talk about other teams that can't win. Well, they have one or two, you know, and it's hard yeah. to open up. And uh, it, it, that is, all that is really true. You're right. You got to somebody every once in a while, they'll somebody make a play. Yeah. It's real. And it's real. And I, you know, it, the, 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 the one, the one thing that always sticks out to me and I use it with my kids and a lot of people, even on the golf course, I say, you know, I think it was uh Belichick used to say it all the time. 
You know what? With your skill set and ability, I know it ain't going to be easy, but a guy with your skill set and ability, you should be able to make that freaking play. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so you look at, you know, you look at the wall, the, the Darren Wallers of the world and you say, hey, I understand he held you. He held you the whole way. But geez, a guy with your skill set and ability, I think I've seen you make plays better than this. You got to come down with that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And it's uh it's a really interesting situation. But that really, as we're talking about all this, and it, it just tells you teams that, that can win on a pretty consistent basis, they just it, it is true, they just have better guys. They've got and guys that can make a play when you need one. And they can do it, yes. And then the yeah. coach, listen, not only do they make the play and all that stuff, but the coach is helping them too. And sure. Just like the red zone. Have you ever seen Andy Reid? I I know he do they ever, once they get probably inside the 15-yard line, do you ever see him getting a two-back formation just handed off the running back right off tackle? No. He's going to do everything else because he knows, he one, he doesn't have that kind of team where he can just line up and smash it up in there, and he never does that. He doesn't waste a down down there. It's this, of course, I think the number one thing, Carl, if you were playing against Andy Reid, You'd say, hey, let's be alert for a shovel pass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, but Andy's figured it out. I guess We're Jarek alive. McKinnon's gonna get a shovel pass at some point at the around yeah. the seven yard line. Oh, well, how about oh, how about we do this really ingenious thing if we're the Chiefs? Uh Travis, act like you're blocking and let them all run away, and then you just drift and we'll throw it to you yeah. and score every time, you know. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's it's but it's, it's Andy's figured it out because he uses the entire field. And he understands down in that red zone, they're playing some kind of matchup coverage. So if he can create some kind of conflict, but all is razzle-dazzle, he'll get a guy free. All these other guys, they just compact it in because they don't have 20 yards to work. You know, I talk to college and high school coaches, you know, quite a bit during the offseason. And they'll say something to me like that. Oh, you know, in the red zone, you know, we have so. And I said, Hey, you ever watched, I give them the Kansas city story. I said, when you get down there, you got to do something different. You just can't line up and run your base plays anymore. Yeah. Like this league now. And as we get through the conversation, they go, yeah, I'm going to start doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why more people don't do it. I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah. good down there, but it's, as we, you've talked about Carl, Bob, you know, you, you're on top of some of these statistics and everything like that. You know, the red zone, it's it's become very, very hard to score in it for, for teams right now. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, well, uh, Phil, we go got, ahead, Carl. We got Washington. Yep. Friday practice. What are you feeling? What do you, what do you like? Oh, Pat, it's great. Here's, it's here's a legacy one. game, and Bill is wired up. What, what are you feeling at practice on a Friday before Washington? Well, first of all, the one thing I do remember is you guys would be in full pads on a Friday. Now I don't even know if they have a shell on. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, hey, guys, here's what we're doing today. I'm going to let you take the pads out of your pants. But if you screw me, I'll never let you do it again. <laughs> oh, Bill, you're so nice. You're the best. <laughs> I'm going to take my thigh pad and knee pad out. Oh, my God. But, but you know what? I would. This is true. Fridays, you feel great because you know your game plan is awesome. The energy is off the charts. The practice, it, it always would go well on those Fridays and everything. And everybody kind of understood their role and what we were doing in the practice. Uh, you know, so 
it was awesome. And you had the feeling that there's just no way we can screw this up. Yeah. Now, of course, sometimes we did, and that's the way the NFL is. But the, the, the atmosphere, the feeling, and the emotion was all right to at least give you a great chance to go win the game. Yeah, and I think for us, um, we were, you know, you naturally get fired up playing Washington. But that Friday was doing your mental checklist. You know, they used to run those over plays or, you know, run the quarterback to one side and they send Rick, uh, Rick, what's his, Ricky? Um, no. What, what was the kid? Um, um, Art Monk and what was Ricky Sanders? Ricky Sanders, yeah. Yeah, they'd run quarterback one way and Sanders is running opposite way across the field and we got to make sure you know, our backside guys are where they're supposed to be. So Bill will put four of those in during the course of practice just to make sure we're sharp and looking for it. But it was it was a lot of fun, man, um, getting ready for that game. And the Friday, you just – I think the intensity level for us, because we knew it was going to be a physical game, you just mentally just got yourself ready to play that game and didn't want to miss an assignment because they were like – that was the one thing about Washington. They were like clockwork, though. Once you knew what they were doing – they had a wrinkle or two, but you pretty much had it. You just had to make, stay mentally sharp. And, you know, I think too, Bob and, and Carl, I think one thing, the coach on the other sideline was a, a always a, a part of inspiration, I think, too. It yeah. was Gibbs. I mean, you know, yeah. my God. He, I, 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 he, we know he's a, he was a great coach, but the fact yeah. that he was there, you know, you felt like that was part of it, too. I just – yeah. I went against Joe Gibbs. It wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, and we were to a degree in his head too. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah. We were. <laughs> you beat him enough. Oh so man, I, I got on the bus once and they had the local radio station on the bus after the game were down there. And Gibbs just comes in. Oh man, I've seen this story before. Uh, and he would like be really honest and truthful. It was yeah. like, I'm just looking around and go, I can't believe he's saying some of these things. <laughs> and, you know, it was very nice and about us and how <laughs> whatever it was that was really yeah. interesting but so i'm gonna ask you about this game um yeah, in, yeah. in this regard washington they can get after the quarterback in spurts right right but they've given up 13 pass plays already through six games of 30 or more yards five of them gone for touchdowns right. they've already given up six pass plays of 50 plus we're only six games into the season for them the Giants, we know they haven't. <clears throat> excuse me. The Giants, we know they haven't thrown a touchdown pass since the Arizona game. It's been 244 minutes and 25 seconds. How do you go about taking advantage of what appears to be a weakness for them when it's not your strength? You know, you know, things like this made me nervous because I go, wow, this is a game I, I should be getting some big plays and do well. And you were, what if I don't or something like that? But, hey, they overplay on the defensive back, the secondary. They they think they got Daryl Green out there sometimes. And I watch mm -hmm. them. And I don't study Washington really close because we don't ever get to cover them with CBS. But, you know, that that forget the pass rush, not living up to the greatness that we all expect. But corners way too aggressive, I thought. And I think that Chicago game, that it was so bad, and I watched their Atlanta game pretty close. And, uh, man, Desmond Ritter, at the beginning of the game, I thought, damn, this looks – he looks like Dan Marino back there. He's hitting everything. <laughs> yeah. And then it fell apart because Washington kind of adjusted a little. So, I hey, Jack Del Rio, 
I mean, he's been in the league a long time. I, I'm really surprised that he's allowed his defense to put it get put put in situations where they give up all those big plays, and it's got to give the Giants a little confidence. And the other thing is Tyrod Taylor, he's going to break that pocket as fast as he can, and mm -hmm. I think he should. If you see a little gap, go through it right away. Don't even look down the damn field. Move and make the throws that way. So yeah, but double moves. Oh my gosh, they they went for him so much early in this of this season. And I, the bad thing for the Giants, they've done it so many times. They might be more careful this time, and Tyrod might get some easy completions. I think I'm going to guess Tyrod Taylor is going to play. I just I can't imagine Daniel Jones going. Yeah. So I got two two observations. Uh, I think. Saquon Barkley factors big in both phases of this game that will allow them to do uh, some of the downfield stuff. But also, Jalen Hyatt, Phil, is the best pure catcher of the football on the team. And I saw in the Buffalo game, he had a go route. He had the safety in the corner beat by a, by a couple steps. And the ball was thrown, and it landed behind the defenders. I'm like, he's a guy that you got to throw anticipation throws to and just let him run up under it because you can't throw it far enough for him. I mean, he just, he's really fast, but I saw the crossing route and I'm like, he goes in, grabs it, gets down, tucks. I'm like, he's got, he's the best pure catch. Yeah, that fourth team. down catch he had. Yeah. that Because he knew the hit was coming. But I yeah. think they got to be intentional about giving him the football. Hey, that's the way it should be. It really should. That uh, if they've never done that this year, you you have to pick a couple guys and just go. We're going to get the ball to the Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt. I mean, geez, you know, I don't know how many times I don't. I'm not going to go in the old stories, but Sims, hey, just throw it to Babar, would you? Just throw it to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and some, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that is true. You know, you just guys gotta, that can make a play though. That's what we can were just talking play. about. The guy. Hey, look. Don't throw it to this guy because he can't make it unless he's wide open. This yeah. guy here, he can make a play for you. Yeah. That's um so yeah, you know, the mm, so many things. But I mean, really, when you look at the giant Saquon, but who are we going to next? I think Carl, you've said that really well said. And uh I'm getting pretty confident about this game now as we're talking. I feel better about the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, I'm serious. And you know, and then people always ask me, do you still root for the Giants? And I said, Come on, of course I do. And I, I, yeah. I I'm gonna follow the Jets too, because I hear all the you know, I run into Jet fans around here all the time, also. So I'll follow the two local teams. No exaggeration. The first thing I do every Monday morning, probably around 8 30, I watch the giant game first. Mm. If they play on Sunday, of course. Yeah, I watch that because I know I'm gonna get inundated with giant and all the things I do. Yeah, so I'm ready for it. So and that part so as you're sitting in the studio on Sunday. As we're we're coming to the end of this, are you gonna? I mean, will will a burst of at least a little nostalgia, even though you're at work and you're watching all these games one o'clock? But when you see those end zones, and you see those uniforms, yeah, will 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 a little bit will you will you get a nostalgic just for a second when you see it visually? Absolutely, just the fact the Giants wore those uniforms in Buffalo. I saw it. I said, "Man, I love those uniforms." Yeah, we looked as good in them as they do. But man, they look good. And yeah, no doubt. Uh, listen, yeah. memories and thoughts like that, Bob and Carl, we all know they, they never go away. And uh, yeah, and especially when you're playing a rival that's just been part of the history of the Giants so yeah. much. 
sure. It's going to be, you know, of course, you know, what we're going to say in my household, they should do these all the time. <laughs> yeah. I hear that a lot too. Of yeah. Course. But it's, it, it is great to see the throwback jerseys with teams. Uh, some of them are going back to throwbacks. I never remember wearing what they're wearing, but whatever. But the yeah. giant uniforms, that giant name on the helmet. I, look, I still love that much more than I do the NY. And I'm not just being a guy because I wore it. No, I just like the look of it better. That's yeah. me. There you go. Now, um, just in wrapping up here, did you guys ever talk about the fact that, you know, Phil, obviously you you won the MVP of Super Bowl 21. I'm going to Disneyland or whatever. But the guy that I'm hosting this show with could yeah. have easily been the MVP. He had like one of those Walt Frazier to Willis Reed kind of games. Well, he had that the whole playoffs. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I mean, the San Francisco game, I can see him shooting through, getting Roger Craig in the backfield for a six-yard loss or something. And, you know, Carl, I got to admit, of course, you're out there playing defense and I'm over there and I'm, I kind of watch, but, you know, you're just all over the place. And then I've watched all those games and I just go, damn, <laughs> Carlos <laughs> killing it. <laughs> just, and I, I believe it, you know, yes, uh, Carl was, if we gave an MVP for the 86 playoff run, it wouldn't have been close. Carl would have won it. And even John Madden. Would, yeah. Oh yeah. Have you listened to the games? John Madden yeah. once said, and he must've, he, it took courage for him to say this. He goes, you know, listen, everybody talks about Lawrence Taylor, but the best linebacker in football right now is Carl Banks. And I, when I heard it on TV, I went, oh, my God, that's blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> but for him to say that, because he loved Lawrence, for yeah. him, that meant I just told you not only were you doing it, but you were doing it at an extreme level where yeah. he had to say it, which is pretty yeah. cool. So, but that, that game, I think both of our performances were necessary for us to win. Yeah. Right. I mean, we had to have a great game on offense. We had to have a great game on defense. And, you know, it's the old saying, somebody's got to make a play. So I just made a bunch of them. And so did you, you know? Yeah. You, you know, as I watched it a couple times, the game, it'll be, I saw watching what's on. And I just go, wow, it's amazing. The game was so much closer than I thought. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. remember, you just play and you're not, but it's, Oh, that play, if that didn't happen, man, we could have been in trouble. And just it, it's and you know, just me looking at the other side, I look at uh the Denver Broncos. Man, they were loaded with players on the defensive yeah. side. I never realized that. I didn't. And looking yeah. I'm glad I didn't realize it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, you feel free. Oh, they're not that good. But uh, I think they went like have most of the year. They didn't give up 20 points a game, right, Bob? You, you yeah, they were them. they were good. Yeah. yeah. And then we played them in 86 at our place. Shoot, we didn't do anything. We were just no. hanging in there with them. You know, they yep. had the George Martin interception and our whatever it was, third and 20-something, and we hit, I don't even know who I hit over the middle. But, yeah, the last drive of the game, they, they were a good football team, very well yeah. coached. And Dan Reeves, when he came to the Giants, still hadn't forgotten some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, uh, we got to wrap it up. Again, uh, Sims Complete is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Matthew Sims and Phil, although Matthew told me that his wife wants him to be referred to as Matt. So, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. So he said, no, you can just call me Matt. I always well, call him Matthew. You, 
You got his wife calling you. Wow. No, no, not calling me. He told me that directly. Oh, he told, my, okay. he told me that. Sure, sure. No, it is. Not. Listen, I understand, Carl, you're right. And Bob, you do a great job. It is true about these podcasts. I Sometimes I don't care if anybody listens. At least I feel better <laughs> when I get to say what I want to say. Exactly. Yeah. And you mean top- you mean as opposed to Carl having to squeeze in during a radio broadcast, <laughs> eight seconds of analyst, because, you know, I got to do a lot of talking on radio. It's not TV. Yeah. TV. TV is the analyst right. forum. Radio is the play-by-play guy who does most yeah. of the talking. Yeah. When yeah. Like- so this is liber- this is liberating. And you, oh, yeah. you know, hey, Phil, we need you to give a thought here on the Chargers and then a quick thought on the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Give me like 12 seconds because <laughs> then coach has <laughs> got to go and then Boomer's got to say something. Yeah. Good luck hey, with that. I won't get it, but look. Or like an opening thing. They, you know, we usually they want it under 25 seconds or 25. That's our big number. But that's a big one when you get 25. Uh, otherwise, it's usually just one little tiny, th- whatever. And I'm not complaining, but I'll have a page of notes. And so I'll time it, Carl. And I just go, wow, that was like 50 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get rid of this and this. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, oh, oh. 35. Oh, hell. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, the, that's why the Believe Podcast Network that's is a great through, relief yeah. for everybody. Yeah. And you know, one last thing. And, you yeah. know, of course, I sit across from this other guy. Uh, um, oh, yeah, Boomer. That's his name. <laughs> yeah. And he's on radio. So, you know, he talks endlessly, uh, you know, uh, 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 like, oh, my God. And he carries that over to the TV sometimes. And time it gets to me, Phil, really hurry, be quick. <laughs> whatever that's they it. said i'm a, a i go the opposite and that's it it's it's unbelievable that's awesome yeah, so we appreciate a couple of minutes here thank you morning. phil all right carl good seeing you man all Everybody right you too man again right. sims complete on the believe podcast network carl how do we like to end this thing tell a friend to tell a friend we'll be back next week with another edition of believe in giants thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.